This is Buy-In, a valuation podcast from Horn Healthcare. What will be the main drivers of healthcare M&A deals post-pandemic? Will it be a seller's or a buyer's market? I'm Rudd Blumentritt from Horn Healthcare, and today on Buy-In, our guest is healthcare attorney Andy Murray, a partner with Bradley, Arant, Bolt Cummings, LLP in Nashville, Tennessee. Andy handles healthcare transactions across the country, including acquisitions, divestitures, and joint ventures involving hospitals, ambulatory surgery centers, imaging centers, home health agencies, and other providers. He is also an active member of the American Health Law Association and previously served as a vice chair of the Hospitals and Health Systems Practice Group. We are thrilled to have Andy here today to answer and ask a few questions about big business combinations, hospital M&A in times of crisis. Andy, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Rod. I'm happy to join you today. You know, I think I've listened to more podcasts over the past few months than I could have ever imagined, so it's really nice to be on the other side of the microphone with you today. Uh, but in all seriousness, I'm looking forward to sharing our different perspectives on the hospital M&A market during this new normal. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited as well. And obviously, this is a, an area that I think um, there's a lot uh, to come here. And I think this is an area where I think the public health emergency is going to have a tremendous impact. So I'm very excited to hear your perspective and, and what you're seeing um, uh, with your clients uh, in, this, in this area. So with that, let me just kick it off here. Uh, so Andy, in your view, what impact will the public health emergency have on hospital M&A? Well, Rudd, um, I guess I'm going to build on a theme that I've heard from some of the other buy-in podcasts throughout <laughs> that I've listened to in preparation for this podcast is that it's too early to tell um, and we don't have a crystal ball and, and all those, those various statements. But um, I think we all know or suspect that it will have an impact, certainly. It, but as I said, it's too early to tell um, in, in some parts, because we don't know when the public health emergency is even going to end. Right. Um, I think, you know, if, if we'd been having this conversation four weeks ago, we would, we would all be looking and saying, well, it looks like we're coming out of the first wave of this. And, and now here we sit in early part of the midsummer here and, and looks like there may be another wave coming. So, um, it's going to be kind of, it's going to be somewhat of a wait and see, um, you know, I, I will say that part of what's going to impact the hospital M&A landscape is going to vary uh, from one hospital to another, and there's going to be a number of factors. And I'll, a couple of them will be kind of, you know, the location of where a hospital health system is located. Um, you know, certain areas of the country were hit very hard early on, and others were not hit at all. Right. Clients who literally had zero COVID patients the first two months when places like Detroit and New York were getting bombarded with right. a wave of patients. Um, and and now here we see the Southeastern and Western parts of the United States are now being overrun with, with uh, COVID patients and, and some of the Northeastern states have, have, uh, uh, have waned a little bit or quite a bit. Um, and then there are some hospitals and health systems are within 
markets are, are disproportionately or have been disproportionately affected. You know, some right. of the academic medical right. centers and the trauma centers are are hit harder than some of the specialty hospitals. And some, let's be honest, some hospitals were just better prepared for the effects of the pandemic. Right. Um, and that could be from a clinical perspective and just having good mechanisms and processes in place, or it could be from a financial perspective. Some of these hospitals that, you know, uh, these rainy day funds that some of these, uh, hospitals, big nonprofit hospitals have, have been holding, have really come in helpful. <laughs> Obviously right. it's, you know, as I've had conversations with some of my clients, okay, it's raining now. <laughs> this right. is what this fund is for. Um, um, and then there's obviously other factors like the share shares of the CARES Act provider fund, relief funds that hospitals mm-hmm. are receiving and, and uh, you know, whether the government decides to forgive some of the Medicare advance payments, which were, you know, some of the American Hospital Association and others are pushing for, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, we've got clients who have, have actually realized that they may not be able to use all the provider relief funds. They're going to give some of the money back. And, and so, and, and obviously related to all of this is of course, how quickly a hospital or health system is able to bounce back from the initial shutdown of elective procedures um, and whether there are significant, you know, second and third waves of COVID outbreaks. Just anecdotally speaking, we, you know, we've been hearing from some of our health system clients that the second half of March and April were just devastating, right? From a, from a healthcare mm-hmm. uh, or from a financial perspective, uh, both for those hospitals that had a lot of COVID patients and those that didn't, and were kind of, twiddling their thumbs in some instances, uh, waiting for patients to come. Um, but then we also heard that May was not nearly as bad as feared. And, and in fact, in, in June, a lot of the hospitals had real bounce backs year to year from, from last year really didn't have a significant negative impact. So there's, there's, there's a lot, uh, a lot of this is, uh, again, still to be determined, but I think we, we certainly know there's going to be impact. I will say, you know, the interesting thing for our practice is that we've really not seen a great deal of fall off in hospital M&A activity since late March. Um, you know, when I was, I was thinking back when I was packing up my files and heading to my home office in mid-March, I remember thinking to myself, I wonder how many of these in-flight transactions are still going to be, are going to move forward or are going to die on the vine. Right. And, you know, the uncertainty around COVID um, certainly impacted the timelines of some of our transactions mm-hmm. and some of the negotiations and a couple were put on hold and, and it did impact one large transaction. But for the most part, you know, we've had several hospital transactions that have just chugged along. I mean, we closed one, believe it or not, March 31st, right in mm-hmm. the face of it um, and have closed multiple other transactions and, and, uh, and, and have announced a couple new ones since then. So, um, you know, and part of this is because the transactions, a lot of them have involved, you know, large regional players that have said, look, we're not going anywhere. Right. We're going to be a hospital system and we're going to, whoever survives, we're going to, if we survive this, we're going to keep operating hospitals. So we want to continue to build our base. So um, I guess I'd ask you a related question, Rudd, you know, from your perspective, what impact is the, is the public health emergency already on, on hospital M&A? You know, I think you, you hit on the, the term uncertainty, and that's kind of been the theme as we've, as we've talked through these different podcasts is um, that, that term just keeps coming up, and it kind of uh, washes over all of these discussions. Um, so, you know, we have to, I guess, from that perspective, you know, everything else falls underneath that. But, you know, as best we can, we're obviously trying to look forward, and obviously from a valuation perspective, that's what we do most of the time is, is where valuation is very forward thinking and forward looking. So that's 
uh, how we approach a, a, these kind of questions. So I think the, the first thing I would note is, is that, and at least in the clients that I've talked to, there seems to be a shift to a buyer's market. Um, and a lot of that's predicated um, on the fact that, or the anticipation that a lot of healthcare entities are already in financial distress. So your point, those that are, that are financially stronger or were better prepared, the ones that had that rainy day fund that you mentioned, um, are probably gonna be in a better position to take advantage of that um, and use that um, from an M&A standpoint or strategy over the coming months as we move forward uh, to their advantage. Um, and with that, I would anticipate that market prices either have or will become more attractive. Um, but while prices may be lower, um, we would anticipate that the due diligence around those transactions, both now and at least you know, for the foreseeable future, say 12 to 24 months, will increase dramatically. Uh, just given the upheaval in the, in the market, buyers are going to want to have additional assurance about things like you know, contingent liabilities, um, the impact of stimulus funds, financial stability, et cetera. So and we've even heard that acquirers are now asking targets about how they handled COVID, um, maybe as a way of assessing their strategy um, or maybe even cultural fit. Or potential um, liability. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one question that, that I've had is, you know, will nonprofits reach for municipal revenue bonds as, uh, or other debt financing before they seek um, a financial investor or an M&A strategy? Uh, to your point, clearly there'll be winners and losers in the hospital space. Um, those that were better capitalized, those with better contracts, better service mixes, better payer mixes, will be the ones that will be best positioned. Um, some other things that could impact the M&A market, uh, I think we may see post-COVID as the time for aggressive micro-hospital strategy, um, especially those with strong telehealth capabilities to reach rural communities or even underserved urban areas. Um, I think tech-enabled hospital companies could become white hot in a post-COVID market. We could possibly even see COVID, um, if I want to get way out there, as the beginning of the end of the, the storied monolith hospital sitting on the sprawling campus, which, you know, in many cases were only worth their real estate pre-COVID. So, um, you know, those are just kind of, if I, if I get, get my mind churning on that uh, and start thinking forward, those are some, you know, some things that, that, that come to mind. So I'll switch a little bit from 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 that to ask you, what what do you see the main what do you see as the main drivers of healthcare M and A um, sure. post COVID? Well, you know, I think in many ways the drivers won't be dissimilar from what they were pre pandemic. I mean, it's part of if you think about what you just said about the monolithic hospitals and transitioning away, um, you know, we've all seen hospitals struggling in some instances and, and thriving in others mm -hmm. uh, to deal with the transition away from inpatient focused models to outpatient focused models mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and seeing more um, uh, the more profitable uh, business lines transitioning to outpatient space. Right. You know? And, and that, and pressures coming from payers, both governmental and private payers, trying to incentivize um, through, through reimbursement rates and through 
you know, preferential payments and, uh, you know, to transition patients out of hospitals into surgery centers, into other care settings um, as much as possible. And, and so I, I think to me, it's not a matter of necessarily changing, but it's probably more exacerbating mm-hmm. um, what's, mm-hmm. what was already happening. And the, the hospitals and health systems that were not already trying to or planning to or, or already um, uh, exercising on strategies to transition and, and become a part of the transitioning healthcare uh, platform in this country are just going to be further behind. We'll take a quick break. Stay tuned for more with Andy Murray. And we're back. Let's dive right in. The other thing that, that we saw, we, we've been seeing, um, you know, over the last few years in the hospital space is um, a lot of the nonprofit players that have really strengthened themselves, regional players that have strengthened themselves in particular markets and trying to build upon those, uh, those platforms and, and picking off onesie twosie hospitals um, and bringing them into the fold. And I think that's just going to continue. And the, the, you know, the days of the standalone nonprofit community hospital are, are in many respects behind us already, but those that have, those that have managed to survive other than, um, other than the, the healthiest of the healthy, uh, pre, pre, uh, pandemic hospitals, I think many of those are going to be gone. Um, and they're going to have to align with other uh, other health systems that are stronger or align with one another. You know, there are a right. lot of places in the country where there are there are independent players, nonprofit, small nonprofit health, or relatively small nonprofit health systems that have been competitors that may now say, OK, you know, we never were able to make a deal happen and come together because we couldn't we couldn't get comfortable working with one another. We won't, neither, neither side would give up power. Right. You know? And now I think you're going to have some situations where people are going to say, Hmm, um, now's the time for us to have this conversation, you know? Um, and, and along those lines, the conversations I've been having with clients is just, you know, due to the unprecedented nature of what's, what's right. happened here. Uh, I think there's just going to be a lot of opportunities that may not have occurred absent the past few months and, and the, foreseeable uncertain future. And I think there's going to be a lot of health systems that are, that will be exploring opportunities and, and, and attempting to align with others that they would not have maybe considered as potential partners prior to the pandemic may have in fact considered as mortal enemies. Um, And I think there are going to be some real surprises out there in terms of hospitals and health systems that come out of the pandemic relatively healthy. And I use the word relatively because every, every hospital is, is, being harmed by, right. by, you know, by, by the, by the public health emergency. Um, but, but relatively speaking there, they're going to be, there are going to some, some that come out of this and say, you know what, we're really, we were able to handle that and we came through it because we were, uh, we had the rainy day fund or, or we, we managed, we had a good plan in place. Um, and then there are going to be others that are going to be surprising the other, from the other side of the, the ledger where it's going to be a surprise that, XYZ health system has failed, you know, right. just was harmed tremendously. Um, and, and I, there, there are going to be a lot of health systems that are looking for a lifeboat at the end of this storm. Absolutely. Um, and it's going to just present a, a ton of opportunities for the healthier systems to forge alliances with others. And as you mentioned, I mean, I think it's definitely going to be a buyer's market un- unless something changes dramatically and the prices are going to be 
I mean, I just, I, I can't see multiples going up um, by any means. Right. And, you know, sadly, I think there's going to be some hospitals and health systems are going to be left on the sidelines looking for a dance partner. <laughs> and yes. Uh, and, and what's going to happen. Some of those, they're just going to be, the bones are going to be picked apart. You know? Absolutely. Um, and, and then, you know, along those same lines, I think the same thing is true. And I'd listened to one of your, one of your other podcasts earlier in the week about uh, physicians and, and physician transactions. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said there for there, there are going to be opportunities for vertical integration for a lot of these hospitals where, you know, there may have been independent groups in the, in the market that they've been trying to align with for years and just never happened. And the groups were very strong and now they may need, they either may need a lent, a helping hand or may just say, I'm done being responsible for this right. organization. Right. <laughs> you know, I just like to come and practice medicine. Yes. Um, and that's always been a driver for physician practice acquisition. But I think, you know, uh, being in the professional services business myself and you, you as well. I mean, I can certainly see the, 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 the desire to let somebody else be responsible and just come and do my job and practice medicine. Yeah, in some cases it may be their only option. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's going to be, there are going to be a lot of opportunities uh, from that standpoint. Um, and, and I think they're going to be, again, they're going to be winners and losers when it comes to being able to take advantage of those opportunities. And then just l last kind of point on this uh, is there are just so many other unknowns that again, that we can't predict. I mean, it, will the government come in and implement some additional programs that are aimed at helping to preserve the viability of hospitals? Right. They've already done it. Let's be honest. Right. There's been a lot done. Right. Uh, you know, the CARES Act funds and the billions and billions of dollars uh, that have been thrown at the, at the, at the problem. But I think that there are going to be a lot of hospitals and the American hospital association and others are going to be saying, well, here, there are some fundamental changes that are going to need to be made if you want hospitals to, to exist. Yeah, um, I think some of the question there is, you know, do we want it to continue to go in its, um, its existing form or disruptors going to change that and, and, and pivot us in a different direction as well? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and some of that, again, some of the theme here is a lot of the disruptors, as you know, were already in the market right? <laughs> and, and the, the, the private equity funds and buying up and, and paying the crazy multiples for physician practices, especially practices. And, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether that continues uh, after, after we come through the end of this. So I guess kind of transitioning a, a question I have for, for you is, you know, what are some of the new issues that valuators need to consider um, for for post-COVID M&A transactions? Sure. I, you know, um, I mentioned uh, just moments ago that the public health emergency has increased the, the need for due diligence around transactions. And I think that that trend will continue just, just, just due to the tremendous disruption in the marketplace and what has happened. Um, I, and I think the valuation process will also call for increased scrutiny on a number of fronts. And I'll just mention a few things. And these are things that, you know, we always look at from a valuation perspective. I just think the point here is that these, these are items that I think uh, take on new significance or, 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 or heightened now um, just due to, to what we've experienced with the public health emergency. Things like going concern, um, you know, at least in the near to medium term, we'll need to do a lot more due diligence around assessing the likelihood that an enterprise is in fact a going concern. Um, 
again, that's something we've always done as evaluators, but right now I think it's, it's much more heightened. Um, that, you know, there's much more heightened concern around business failure. Uh, balance sheet impairment another area. Um, we're going to have to take a much closer look at balance sheets for asset impairment and off-balance sheet liabilities resulting from COVID. Um, Client-prepared projections, and that's always an area that we put a lot of scrutiny on um, because, you know, client-prepared projections sometimes uh, aren't necessarily, you know, they may be very self-serving in a lot of cases. So we always take those with a grain of salt. But I think now more than ever, because clients, you know, they, they don't know either. There's a lot of uncertainty for them. So it's the same, they're in the same boat. Um, so, you know, obviously we'll have to put a lot more scrutiny, ask a lot more questions about how those pro projections are developed and what are the underlying assumptions around volume, costs, et cetera, reimbursement, you know, things like telehealth will, will get buried in there as well. So there are a lot of things um, that, didn't exist pre-COVID that we'll have to, to, to deal with. Payer mix is, is one that um, I think really comes to mind from a valuation perspective. And that's not typically, you know, payer mix is for the most part fairly stable. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing this a little over 20 years. And I, you know, typically you look at payer mix, it, it doesn't change much um, uh, over time. I mean, you may have over a long haul, you might see a, a trend or a shift, but typically speaking, that's not the case. You know, it's fairly stable in most right. instances. So and now we're regional differences, regional right? Stuff like that, you know, it depends on, on things like that, but you know, from entity to entity, there's really a, not right. a lot of fluctuation there typically. That brings us to the end of part one in our conversation with Andy Murray. Stay tuned for part two coming soon. Thank you for listening to Buy-In, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. Buy-In is produced by Horn LLP. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. For more about Horn, visit hornllp.com.